started last week. And I started in, and I was talking to some pastor friends of mine, and I told them what I was kind of preaching about and what the title was, and they said, are you sure you want to ask that question? I said, well, yeah. He says, are you really sure? I said, yeah. He says, because, I said, why? He says, are you sure you want people wondering about this question? And you'll understand when I tell you. The question is, why are you here? Yeah, that's good. Now, when I talked about this last week, and it's like, do you really want to ask people that? Because then they'll start thinking about why they really are here. And maybe they don't like it here. It's like, no, I'm not worried about that, because understand the context of why you're here. Listen, we talked about this. Why are you here? Is it the music? We have great music. Is it the fellowship? Man, we got great people here. Is it the absolute phenomenal preaching? I'm sure that's why, right? Well, you, you, let, me, let, me, let me meditate upon that for a moment. <laughs> Is it to make you feel good about yourself? Is it because it's what you're supposed to do? All those are awesome things, but they're not the most important thing. It's got to be something deeper than that is why you're here. Because we're the body of Christ, and it's not about the building. But... Why are you in Christianity? What are you seeking? What are you looking for? Because they're going to tell you. If it's about the fellowship, you're going to come here and somebody's going to rub you wrong and you're going to leave. You're going to come here and the preacher's going to say something you don't like and you're going to leave. First-hand experience. Um, you're, you're going to come here and they're going to play a song set that you don't like. There's got to be something deeper than that that's drawing you. And it better be a relationship with Jesus Christ, period. That's the baseline foundation. Everything else is the cherry on top. You know, how many of you like ice cream? How many of you like hot fudge sundae with a bunch of stuff on it a little better? Yeah, huh? Yeah. See, Jesus is the ice cream. All this other stuff is that stuff. Hot fudge and the, all the toppings that you like. But the, the bottom line has got to be, it's got to be a relationship with Jesus, right? And so when I, I'm saying all this to say, one of the things I was really trying to make an emphasis, why are you here? Because, and again, I use the analogy, if you go to, to dinner once a week, if you eat out at a restaurant once a week and that's the only meal you have, how long is it going to be before you're weak? You're not going to be, if you come on Sundays, you come on Sundays and that's your one time a week that you go out to dinner, because some of us do, you know, we get to go out to dinner, and that's all you get? There's no way that this man is going to be able to go to his job every day and do the job. He's going to be weak. He's going to start getting sick. That goes for anybody. But yet we do the same thing in the spiritual realm. We come on Sunday morning think, I'm going to get my Sunday morning fixing, and that's it. You had better start being self-feeders in the day we live in. How many of you are midnight snackers? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Maybe it's time to start snacking on some things that are good for your spirit. See, we've got this battle going on between our soul and our spirit, the spirit of God, the soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. I'm going to confess to you or, or confess, I'm going to tell you that what I think, and you don't have to agree with me, but we had a generation here years ago that what you told them, they believed. End of story. You told them, that was it. They believed it. Then we had a generation, if it was logical to them, and they could, eh, it's logical, they'll believe it. We've got a generation now that is, it's emotional based. If I can't, if it doesn't overwhelm me or I don't feel it or thing, then I'm not going to believe it. Where in any of those three is seeking? 
Bible says seek and you'll find. People are walking around waiting for Jesus to slap them in the head. And he's saying, look, I died. Hello. What more can I do for you? Right? So he died so that we could live and live in him. But we've got to be seekers. Now, we've got some college kids here, the millennials. I am thrilled that you're here. And I don't label you millennials because millennials are getting a bad name. And I don't like that. But I do have to tell you a story. i got to share a friend of mine that goes to our church in Cedarville, and, and he attends a, and he's teaching in college. I don't know, some, one of the corrections or something, something. He's, he's teaching up there. And so the first day of class, you know, you guys have been in college. They all, you know, okay, tell me what's your name, where are you from, what's your, you know, what's your, your major. You know, I'm so-and-so, I'm an English major, you know. When I was in school, I was, had nursing majors, and I had, I'm pre-med, and I'm, I'm PE. I'm the dumb gym. I'm the dumb jock. Anyway, and so, but he said, tell me something interesting about yourself. Well, I'm a volleyball player. I play hockey. I like this. This is my hobby. One, one guy says, raise your hand, says, I can drive a stick shift. And they went, oh, ooh, ah. That was a big thing. That was a big deal. No, I'm just a true story. And I'm like, I'm like, Wow. But, but he, he kind of laughed because he said the whole class went, wow. <laughs> anyway, we joke, and, and, you know, we make fun of the millennials, but the millennials can make fun of us. I don't want to label that. Bottom line is, is that none of those things are seeking, and you have got to seek if you're going to find. And I, I said this before. I don't know. Let me read this so I've got it down. I'm not so sure that we have... I'll put this, understand this in context. Don't start throwing rocks at me right away. I'm not so sure that we have a spiritual problem in America. We have a seeking and obedience problem in America. What are you seeking and what are you obeying? What you're seeking and what you're obeying is the reason we have a spiritual problem. Okay, I'm moving right along. Thank you very much. See, one thing I know for sure, the Holy Spirit is not confused. Knows exactly who he is, what his job is, what he's supposed to do. I said this last week, God has this attitude. He thinks he's God. And can do absolutely anything that his word says. But we want to disagree with him? Good luck. Try, it doesn't work. So where am I going with all this? I'm getting there. This is all background from last week. So what are you seeking? See, we've got to seek Him. And we talked about seek Him first. And, and, all, and, to, and here's what I said. If you seek, you're going to find. If you find, you're going to change. I know when people have stopped seeking the Lord because they stopped changing. I've watched people make a conscious, soulful decision, mind, will, and emotions, a decision in their soul I am done seeking. I'm not going any further. And they stopped changing that day. Got mighty quiet in this charismatic tongue-talking church. But that's okay. I've been delivered from faces. And you can tap on your watch if you want. And I just think, well, this is not, must not be running. <laughs> See, so why are you here? It better be a relationship. That's what it really comes down to. And the reason I'm emphasizing this so much is because I'm telling you, 
We are making decisions based on the soul realm rather than the spiritual realm. And the spiritual realm is this word. Too many people. If I was led by all the soul realm and I made all my decisions emotionally, there'd be people in this city that would be walking around with no teeth in their head. Boom. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to be all spiritual and all, but I'm just telling you the truth. If I was emotionally led with my decisions, and do you know how many people are? They are led by their soul rather than by the spirit. And I'm talking about, when I talk about the spirit, I'm talking about the word of God. Because I've had people come and tell me, well, you know, I believe the Lord's got me doing this, this, this. If you can find it in the word, I'll agree with you. If you can't, don't tell me that. I've had people come and give me a word from God that I couldn't find anywhere in the Bible. I'm saying, sorry, you can keep that to yourself. I'm hitting a whole bunch of stuff today. That's all right. Amen. And I, I, I've got ushers that love me. Just want you to know that. So, all right, let me get, so that's all been background. So let me get to where I want to go today. So, we talked about this intimacy and getting intimate. How do you maintain this intimacy? We told you about how you find it. You seek it. You accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the foundation. But you know how many people say, okay, you're my Savior, but you're not my Lord. You're still, your soul's still in charge there. Okay, let's just say, for an example, all of a sudden, I it was the king of Sault Ste. Marie. I like the sound of that. I'm the king of Sault Ste. Marie. Everything in Sault Ste. Marie, the waterways, the, everything, I own it. I own all of it. I will allow you to have a home on it. I'll allow you to use my waters. I'll allow you to use my stuff. And you know what? I'll feed you. I'll take care of you. I'll give you clothes. But it's mine, and you're a steward of it. That is lordship. That's the way the Lord needs to be with us. But what we do is we say, I want you a savior, but I'm going to do things my way. And we get all knotted up because, again, how do you know Jesus? If you don't know this word, don't tell me that you know him. You know about him, but do you know him? Do you know his character? The only way you can do that is through the word of God. It's the only way that I know. Because it's funny. When I hear God, you know, that still small voice or whatever, it's amazing how many times that, God's voice sounds just like Scout's voice. <laughs> That's a great idea, God. you got to discern. My way, his way. Sometimes it's not a still small voice. It's an unction. It's whatever God, however God speaks to you. But I know he'll speak to you through his word. There is no doubt about that. So, how do you maintain this intimacy? You know that there is a difference between, and I will get to some scripture verses. Hang on. Do you know there's a difference between intimately knowing someone and knowing about them? A lot of people know about Christ. I know when he was born, when he died, who his dad was, who his mom was. I mean, I come to church at Easter. I know all about him being raised again. You know about him, but do you know him? There's some of you that may have heard some things about me. You know about me, but you don't know me. And there's some in here that know me at a deeper level than others. My wife, at the deepest level, knows me. My good parts, my bad parts, all my points. See, we need to have that kind of a relationship with Christ. How do you maintain? But how do you maintain this? First of all, 
You've got to know the Word. Here's what it says in John 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word's God. Now, if I throw this Bible on the floor, it's not going to go poof into Jesus. But the Bible said the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word. Everything that is in this was in Jesus. So, we got to know the Word. The other thing, so you've got to be in the Word because I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about you got to be hyper, super spiritual, but you've got to start to start to be a self-feeder. You've got to start, if it's five minutes a day, just a scripture verse or one verse a day, or you pray for five minutes, start to start because what happens is we say, well, we, we, here's what we do. Sometimes we think studying or being in the Word is like being on a diet. You know, because you're like you go on a diet and you, you know, I'm not going to eat. I'm not. And then you just gorge yourself. We think that we've got to gorge ourselves with the word to be spiritual. No, just start with just something. If it's get one of those daily breads and read a verse. The word of God says it won't return void. And I'm telling you, it will speak to you. It will help you. It will feed you. It will nourish you. And then all of a sudden, when you're going through something, something will come back to you and say, oh, I remember reading that. You don't have to wait till Sunday and hope that the preacher is preaching about the thing that I need the answer for. Because that may never happen. You may come to church for years and never get that question answered. you got to feed. Again, be a midnight snacker on the Word of God. When you're grabbing that hostess ho-ho or that Oreo cookie, grab a scripture, verse 2. Curse the calories and read your Bible. You can do both. You sure can. Multitasker. That's right. That's right. That's right. And so, we've got to get into the Word. The second thing, and, and I was talking to Eugene about this. and He was talking to me about it, and it was just so good. We've got to take every, cap, every, thought, every captive thought. Every thought captive. Now, do you know that if you're in the Word and you're meditating on the Lord and meditating on the Word, that is, there's less other thoughts that can get in there? Let's say you got, I don't know what the average human, ten to 15,000 thoughts a day or maybe even more, I don't know. Most of those aren't good. Most of them are out of the soul realm. Most of them are of the flesh. But if you're meditating on the Lord, that's that much less that you've got to take captive. So if you're in the Word and you're in the Word and you're knowing the Word, you know, and then when those thoughts come, you immediately know, okay, what is, where is this thought come from? If you think about your thoughts for a minute, you can tell almost immediately who and where they're from. And if you don't, if you don't know, open your mouth. Somebody else can tell you. Listen to somebody talk. You'll know exactly where they're at. It doesn't take long. I mean, all negative Nelly. Monday morning, trying to avoid negative Nelly because negative Nelly's got nothing good to say. It's all negative all the time. Oh, woe is me. You know, the sky is falling. Well, maybe the sky is falling, but Jesus is taking me out of here. So, Thank you, Jesus. So we've got to take every thought that is contrary to the word of God, we've got to take it captive. And let me tell you, it's not easy. Proverbs 18.21, oh, so we got to know the word, we got to take thoughts captive, and here's another one, you've got to watch your words, what are you saying? Do you know how many times 
I, and, and I caught myself doing this. And I know better. Something comes that's not right. I meditate on it, and I talk about it, and I talk about it, and I talk about it, and I feed myself, and I feed myself, and I build it up, and I build it up, and I build it out instead of going to the Word of God and saying, and start speaking the truth of, of, of what the Word of God says over that situation. You're saying, well, maybe you know, it doesn't never change anything. It'll change your heart. Don't tell me it won't. Circumstance may not change. I believe the circumstance will change. Sooner or later, it's going to change. But your heart will change almost immediately. My wife is great at this. Things aren't going good. She says, hey, let's meditate on all the, let's meditate and be thankful for all the good things that we have right now. Do you know how many people would love to be sitting upright in a chair, breathing, living, getting ready to go to lunch after the preacher gets done talking, if he'll ever shut up? (laughs) But see, here's what we do. We always compare ourselves to people that have it better than we do. Oh, if I only had a bigger house. That's just more to clean, folks. You know, if I had one more work truck, that's just one more thing to maintain. We always look at who's got more. Why are we always looking at somebody that doesn't have as much and be thankful for what God has blessed us with? What What are you saying? It says here, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You can talk yourself just about into anything. See, many times what happens in the soul realm, our mind, our will, and emotions, our emotions, we get emotional and we speak. And I am, I am so guilty of this. I am, you know, I can't hide my emotions very well. People know. If I'm mad, sad, glad, they just, people know. Because I don't hide my emotions very well. What I am still learning is that just because... And at that moment when I feel emotional, I think that something needs to be said. That's probably the best time to shut up. Because you're going to say something that probably isn't biblical. It's it's birthed out of the soul realm, and it's not going to produce any fruit that's good. I get angry with my wife. Some things can come out of my mouth that can cause damage in our relationship. Now, I can ask forgiveness, but the word's out there. They're powerful. We've got to watch what we're saying. Are you forever confessing the problem? Why don't you meditate and confess on the solution? Well, this problem's still with me. Well, keep confessing the solution until the problem goes away. That's called faith. Here's another one, and I am going to wind it down, but beware of what you trust. Now, notice I didn't say who you trust. I would hope that you could trust me, but don't trust me. Trust him. Trust the him. Any of the, anything that's good comes from in me comes from him anyway. Trust the Christ in me. The thing I do appreciate about you all is even in my fallible failures. You still love me. You still accept me. You still allow me to be here and speak into your lives. But you have better be aware of what you are trusting. If you are trusting the economy, if you're trusting the president, if you're trusting any of those things, you're trusting the wrong things. 
It doesn't matter. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care what the laws say. If you're trusting in what the news media is saying and you're meditating on that, you're a miserable person. You just are. Because it's all negative all the time. But what are you trusting? I'm going to tell you, some of you, the best thing you can do, I, I like Fox News. Shut it off! If you can't get control over your computer, smash it. Yeah, yeah. What are you allowing to have authority in your life? What's one in your life? I submit to you, we've got a generation of young people that social media is running their lives. And I can say ruining their lives in a lot of cases. Moving on. What are you trusting? It says in Proverbs 3, it says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments, the word. For length of days, and listen to this, for length of days and long life and peace, they, this will add to you. Trust in the Lord, in verse 5. With all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That word trust means to have confidence in. I have confidence in the Lord. I don't even have confidence in myself. I'm a man, I've got a lot of abilities. I can do a lot of things, just like many of you can do a lot of things. You've got a lot of abilities, but you better put your trust in Him, not your own understanding. Because I've had a few good ideas in my day. Disaster. Disaster. It's much better his ways. We sang the song. And here's another one. Luke 12, 29. This is hard. Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious, anxious mind. Do not be anxious. The Bible says be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication. Make your request known to God. Do you know anxiety is running rampant in our nation. We don't have to be anxious. Here's what it says in verse 30, Luke 12. For all these things the nation of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, His rule and reign in your life, and all these other things shall be added unto you. And I submit to you that if you seek these things, you're going to find a peace. You won't even care about those things. Yeah. It won't matter as much. I used to tie myself in knots, worrying about, oh, we're going to have enough money for this, we're going to have enough money for that. Look, if we run out of money and we don't have food, I'm coming to your house. Somebody will feed me. You got a garage to live in? Hey, I can sleep anywhere. My wife can cook from anything. She can make a meal out of a couple of rocks. 1 Peter 5, 7, and this is what we've got to learn to do. Cast all of our care upon him. And it's difficult to do because somehow... In our finite minds, we think that I can take care of this burden myself. And there's some things we have to do. Guess what we have to do? Seek Him. I can't emphasize that enough. College kids, man, I mean, you've got exams coming up, or not yet, hopefully. <laughs> They're like, good Lord, we just got to school. I hope we don't have an exam already. We just, I don't even got my used book yet. <laughs> you know, I don't even have a Lake State sweatshirt yet. I don't exam. But when it comes, again, when, and I know, because I, I, I was in college 150 years ago. When, when you get stressed out, what do you seek? 
Listen, I'm going to tell you what. The local club down the street isn't going to give you the peace that you're looking for at that particular time. Right. Seek Him. Seek Him. That'll get, give you the peace. That'll give you the, you know, to go ahead and, and be confident and do what you've got to do. Cast all your cares upon Him. And then I'm going to close with this. Do you know that every person on the planet needs encouragement? But if you are counting on someone encouraging you, you could be very disappointed. Sometimes you need to encourage yourself in the Lord. We all need to carry one another's burdens, and we need to encourage one another when people we see people struggling. But let me tell you something. One of the problems we're running into in the church and we're running into in society is that I'm coming to church so you can fix my problem. I cannot fix your problem. I can give you the tools. I can give you some Bible verses. I can guide you in the right direction. But when your head hits that pillow at night and it's you and the Lord, you have got to be able to stand and you have got to be able to fight because what if there comes a day when the preacher isn't around to tell you what direction to go and what decision to make? The Holy Spirit is a lot better teacher than I am. There's people in this congregation that are better teachers than I am. But the Lord is the one that you need to seek. He's the one that will guide you. He's the one that will give you peace in the midst of that storm. Now, I'm going all the way back to why are you here? We need to be here out of an overflow of our relationship with Christ. I'm here because, man, I want to be here. Not because I have to be here. I want to be here because I have such a love for Christ. And I love hanging out with you people. You know? And you keep coming back, so I'm always humbled that anybody shows up to listen to me talk at all, ever. Because we'd still be here, and my wife would still be in the front row, and she'd hear this sermon four, five, six times. And she'd have to amen me and give me an offering and everything. But thank you for being here. Thank you for loving the Lord enough to come to seek Him, to get deeper with Him, so that you can be more for and of Him. Because I'm telling you, this world is dark and it's dying. You are the light of the world. We need to start shining. We have the answers. But you've got to have that intimacy with the Lord because the, what people really need is this right here. They don't need my opinion. My opinion can't help them. You know, because I've got some opinions. I need to line up with the Word of God. That's where it starts. That's how we keep our intimacy. And why am I hitting this so hard? Because when we have this intimacy with the Lord, we are much more likely to go out there and share Him with others in a personal way. I truly believe this next move of God isn't... Ha You'll see some manifestations of the Holy Spirit at the, at the altars, but it's going to be out there where... And if people like to hear this. There's going to be personal sacrifice to where you're going to have to take your time, your effort, your energy, and get to know somebody, develop a relationship with them, and help them. That's probably, if I have a strength, that's probably my strength is relationships. I minister through relationships. You know, I spend hours and hours and hours and hours with people that don't even come to this church, but I'm seeing growth, and I'm sowing seed, and I'm watering seed. We've, we've got neighbors. Ten years, ten years we've been their neighbors. Ten. 
And this last year, he started coming to our church, spending more time. Now the questions are starting to come, and now I'm starting to give answers, and I'm seeing a life changed. But it didn't happen overnight. And it's through a relationship. I truly believe that's the way this next move of God's coming. Now maybe I'm wrong, but I believe that that's the way it's going to be. And, and we have to know who we are and what we are in Christ so that we can give them this and not us. Amen.